podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to this extra episode of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast Series 2, Episode 5, as we're joined by the excellent Tracy Germain once more to preview our academy side season. Both the under-18s and under-23s have begun their seasons in contrasting styles, as we told you in our last episode. First, though, let's begin with a continuation of the discussion we had back in March. That was Series 1, Episode 3, when Tracy came on to discuss what was then seen as a as a faltering academy due to a lack of investment. Um... I don't know, a bit of a of a sombre episode. What do you think about the state of the academy a, a few months on from that now, Tracy, with Nicky Butt taking over? I think it remains to be seen how things are going to operate going forward. Um, Warren Joyce is obviously still in charge of the under-23s, and the continuity there is going to be good as to how long he remains in that position. It, it's unclear at the minute. He does get a lot of offers and it depends presumably on the manner in which Jose Mourinho decides to deal with the academy um, and the reserves. That could impact on the decisions that he makes at that level. Um, I actually don't know anything about that, so I don't know why I started on a somber mood where he could leave. And um, That's not really what I was trying to get at. But then at under-18 level, Tommy Martin is still in charge following the departure of Paul McGuinness late last season. It appears that he's going to take that position sort of full time. And as to how that works out, I'm st- I'm still sort of on the fence in relation to it as to what that's going to mean for how the academy will look. Obviously, we did have a good run of results towards the end of last season in the under-18s under his guidance. But at that stage, sort of, we'd already broken off into the sort of lower end of how that tournament operates so uh, we were playing against sort of the weaker sides in the league so it'll be interesting to see how we fare against sort of the full league at the start of this season. Do you think that the continuation of Tommy Martin in charge of the under 18s do you think that's simply because uh, there's no other option or do they have, have do you think that people have made an evaluation and, and now see him as the right choice? I think it's a continuation more so than anything else um, because if I'm remembering correctly at the time that he was um, put in place, it seemed to be sort of interim. Presumably, if they felt that he was the man to take over, they would have made that clear from the, that point onwards. Nicky Button of himself, in a couple of interviews he's had, he's sort of emphasised the fact that he would like to be more involved in the coaching side of things. And he was on the sidelines when the under-19s went to the Oten Cup or the Oten Cup. I'm pronouncing that dreadfully. Um as well. So it'll be interesting to see whether keeping Tommy Martin on allows Nicky Butt less of an administrative role and allows him to help out a bit more. I don't know. Pure speculation at this point. But I think it's more so, I think it's more so a continuation rather than this is the appointment that we've made. Okay, so so let's take a look at what competitions both sides will be playing in. Obviously, there's younger sides under 16s and stuff, but uh, the main yeah. two sides which we're going to focus on, under-18s and under-23s, which is is a change from previous years. It used to be under-21s. Um, tell us a bit about the, the new format of under uh, of youth football with the, the new Premier League 2. 
the new Premier League too, well, you've sort of encapsulated the main difference there. It used to be the under 21s and now it's under 23s. Um, similar to the way the under 20s one Premier League was set up. The Premier League two is um the main difference really is that it's under twenty threes but you can have your three overage outfield players and your one overage goalkeeper. Um now obviously in the first match that we had and particularly with the departure of a lot of our sort of more experienced players at reserve level um over the summer. Um we haven't really utilised that added two years advantage uh, so far. Now it has only been one match. But with a very small first team squad, I don't know whether it's necessarily going to have a massive impact on us this season. It remains that three matches have to be played at sort of the main stadium of the team. And it also allows that three matches can be played at the academy grounds or training grounds. But the the main difference is really that two-year change in the ages. As to why that was made, it's it's sort of unclear. Tracy, do you, do you think that two-year difference is going to make much difference in the way that the club looks to develop players? Do you think they'll, they'll try and be more patient now with, with players and hold them back from going into the first team at, at such a young age? Or do you think it will work pretty much the same way? To be honest, I don't really see much changing from a Manchester United point of view, um, other than potentially we might drop a few more first-team players down into the reserves if they're trying to build up matches or if they're trying to regain fitness following an injury. The likelihood of there being more than three players who are over 23 in terms of outfield taking part in the reserves, it's probably not something that we'll see much of. Yeah, it's probably not something we'll see much of. And then the sort of younger players in the first team set up are well under the 21 sort of as well. We have a combination of sort of, we generally are a bit patient when it comes to it in terms of trying to develop players. I don't necessarily see the benefit of it from our point of view in terms of developmental because... um, Essentially, you're just holding on to players for longer and the players that we've tended to do that with at reserve level, generally speaking, just end up hanging around at the under 21 level or the under 23 as it now is level for a few more years without still getting that opportunity in the first team. So I don't see where we'll benefit from it or where there'll be a change of attitude in terms of how we develop younger players. Do you think it's going to be a better opposition that our younger players, although we might not play play overage players, we we played Leicester in the first game of the season one one nil thanks to Dimitri Mitchell's goal, and and Leicester put outside containing uh, Gokan Inla, uh, Kaputska, who who was Poland's star at Euro twenty sixteen, and a few former United players in Matthew James, Richie Delat, Tom Lawrence. Do you think it's gonna it could improve the younger players who are playing in the under twenty threes because it, it's arguably tougher opposition? That may be a benefit that we we come across um, there, like in the in the match that you're referring to against Leicester. Um, the average age of our back four was eighteen and a half years old, with two eighteen year olds and two nineteen year olds in it. Obviously, it's great experience for them to be playing against um, players who are sort of much further along in their development and in their careers, um, because it gives them an idea of the tests that they would face potentially if they were ever called upon to go into the first team. You can, you can view it in two different ways. It can be quite beneficial because uh, Warren Joyce is quite a fan as well of playing against um, sort of men. 
players who are sort of fighting for their positions and, you know, fighting that it is their career and they're fighting to get back into a team. And um, he's quite keen on that because he thinks it adds a different edge and it it sort of gives players a, a different taste of um competition rather than them to be playing against other academy players who are in sort of the same boat as themselves. It remains to be seen how that's necessarily going to impact um, because the bigger clubs, say for example Chelsea, I think there was a stat I read quite recently where they have about about 11% of the football league have a Chelsea player out on loan with them. I can't imagine that their policy is necessarily going to change and smaller clubs will obviously have smaller squads. So whether or not they can afford to be dropping down a lot of sort of their more experienced players into that setup, it it's difficult to tell. It, obviously, if they do, that's going to be massively beneficial to lads as they're trying to develop um, because they're playing against sort of that another step above um, in terms of the level that they're coming up against. There is a potential downside insofar as if you have a young player who you're trying to bed into uh, a, a sort of under-23 squad and they're coming up from the under-18s and they're sort of in around 18 themselves, an 18-year-old against sort of a 23-year-old can be quite of a mismatch at times, you know, in terms of the likes of physical development and that sort of thing, um, depending on where they are in their own. So you would just hope that something that nothing would happen to dishearten them or to sort of minimise their opportunities there. But the same could happen with the previous system in the under-21s as well. So that sort of benefit slash disadvantage is mainly the same. And uh, looking at our under-18s, no change in format for them. They're playing in the under-18 Premier League. Is is there any other competitions that we're in? I, I've seen we're in the, the Premier League International Cup for the first time and we're, we're drawing a group with last year's winners, Vidareo, is that right? Yes, we are. And that is a competition there for the under-23s, sort of, again. Yeah, Villarreal won last year. Um, this is sort of the third edition of uh, that competition. Uh, Manchester City had won in the first year. And we're in a group with Villarreal, Middlesbrough and Sparta Prague. Obviously, with us having missed out on Champions League last year, that means that the under-19s wouldn't be involved in the UEFA Youth League. So it's good that there's some sort of experience, good that there's a travel element and it's good that you're getting to play against um, different teams and different styles that you wouldn't come across before, particularly in light of missing out on Champions League ourselves. So that's going to be very interesting. Um, It wasn't particularly clear before as to why we had opted out of partaking in this competition, but... um, it's it's going to be great experience for uh, for the lads um, to just to take on these different teams and to obviously add another competition in in terms of um, the amount of football they play over the course of a season because previously it can be quite light uh, fixture wise particularly at the start of the season at um, at this level and sometimes they can go sort of about three weeks between different matches which is not really great for development so it's good to add in three more fixtures For the under-19 team as well will we be back at the, the Mercedes-Benz Junior Cup or are there any other um, foreign trophies I think the, the under-16s were in Mallorca last year 
Um, I think they were um, in terms of foreign travel. Um, I'm not not that I'm aware of at the minute. I, I imagine we'd potentially be going back to the Mercedes Benz. Um, I'm quite a fan of that competition, albeit that it's a very different style. Um, in that it's indoor. The matches are sort of 16 minutes long, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, 18 minutes long, something like that. And it's six aside and constantly changing. So you just can't keep track of the teams, but everyone gets a shot. Um, but it really focuses more on the sort of technical ability of players. And you tend to find that you're sort of more technically gifted or your flair players tend to sort of come to the fore in those competitions and they start using the side hoardings and that sort of thing. So it's very good to see... You know, because it, it really focuses um, players on sort of ball control and retention. And um, it also encourages players to just all out attack because it doesn't take that long to get from one end of that quite small indoor pitch to the other. So the other team is there's sort of a constant toing and froing, which is quite good. Um, I imagine like we'll be in the FA Youth Cup as well. And then for the under 23s i imagine we have some manchester senior cup ties that'll come up over the course of the season as well is it right that we played our lancashire senior cup semi-final for for last season in, in the for last, last month or season, so yeah that didn't end particularly well either um with us going out on penalties we only played that last monday i think um <laughs> <laughs> There's always there's always strange timings with those competitions. Normally, you sort of we I remember us playing in the final of the I think it could have been the Manchester Senior Cup against Man City a couple of years back, which was sort of like almost the Charity Shield equivalent at under twenty one level when we um, won four nil and James Wilson got a few and it was sort of like a nice curtain raiser for the season, but. Um, this year was only a semi-final and I don't know what they're doing with the final, but we're not in it, so I, I don't really keep track. <laughs> and, and in terms of our under-18s, are you expecting a, a better performance than last season? When uh, so, so the under-18 Premier League is that there's 12 teams in the North Division <laughs> and 12 teams in the South Division. Once they've all played each other twice, it's split up into three divisions and at the playoff stages of the under-18 Premier League. Come the end of last season, we were in Division 3. Do you think we're going to fare better this year? There's been a, a fair amount of moving up from that under-18 squad to the, the new under-23. There has been. Um, it, it, it's a very youthful squad. There's a, there's a fair few players in there that were born after 2000 and you're just sort of looking at that year like, oh my God. Um, so there are people that weren't alive when the treble was won. They're currently playing for Manchester United and it's very hard to get your head around that. Um, we're sort of, we have a new goalkeeper. So Ilya Mutha Sebatai. Oh, please tell me I said that right. Um, it's hard enough to type out. Hard enough to type out. But, um, he'll be, he'll sort of between the posts for the season. And he was on the bench a lot and not really getting chances to play because we had other more experienced goalkeepers at that level. Um, so he looks like he'll probably be the number one for the season. I think his backup is likely to be Sam Johnston's younger brother. But it's 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 quite a youthful squad. Now, there are a couple of players dotted throughout who would have made appearances last season. And then sort of you've got your more senior players, the likes of Callum Gribben, who's still apparently at that level. Um, although I would raise questions about why he hasn't moved up despite his age. Zach Dernley, um as well, Jake Kenyon, they would have all played and uh, um, uh, Terrell Warren as well they would have played a good bit last season we'll hopefully see a bit more of the likes of Angel Gomez as well Aidan Barlow George Tanner there's a good few players there coming through there seems to be 
some very good players that are the new players into the ranks, but it normally takes some sort of a couple of months to really settle in and build a consistency in terms of how they play. So it's just how long that sort of settling in period will last because there's sort of quite a lot of new players, albeit that some have had a couple of games at this level before, but it's just playing sort of not really week in, week out, but close enough on it just to see whether or not they can build it. They can build a sort of good team and winning mentality there. Are you expecting any particular standout players this season in the under-18s, Tracy? Obviously, I know uh, the likes of Indy Boone and Roshan Williams impressed last season. Mm. Um, is, is it kind of just, just those two, the, the regulars from last season, or are there any others you're expecting to have particularly good seasons this year? I've been impressed with the bits and pieces that I saw of Aidan Barlow last season. Now, he would have made eight substitute appearances and hadn't started any matches last season, if I remember correctly, but still ended up getting two goals from those eight sub appearances. People who um, see the under-16s rate him very highly. Obviously, Gomez is sort of hailed as as a, a wonder kind, um, and he, he's a very skillful player and looking forward to seeing what he does this year with a bit more sort of experience. George Tanner, I saw him in, I think it was Mercedes-Benz Junior Cup last year and some very nice, very nice football. Um, he made a couple of appearances as well towards the end of last season. So I think he could be one to watch as sort of in addition to the other two that I've already just mentioned. Obviously, some of the more senior players the question will be, will they be doing enough in terms of their performance to sort of fight their way into the, um, into contention every so often for the under 23s? It'll be interesting as well. We have, um, new signings. Josh Bahui, so early into the season, I haven't really heard their names yet. And, uh, Taha Chong, <laughs> um, both of whom come very highly rated. Uh, Josh came from Brentford and he was the top goal scorer of their academy and had sort of fought his way into their under-21s well ahead of schedule. Um, and as far as I'm aware, represented England at under-17 level at the Algarve tournament uh, in the summer. Tahit Chong, I've, see, I've seen a bit of him. Not, not too much yet. He won an individual trophy for being sort of the best attacking player at the Otten Cup that we finished runners-up at um, a couple of weeks ago. He seems to run very well with the ball. He's a forward and sort of um, has been utilised by ourselves more so on the left side of midfield. Um, He's he's certainly recognisable on a football pitch with his sort of mane of hair as well. There's actually a picture of him on our episode photo for this. Um, if you look on the left of oh, our photo, you'll see uh, his impressive hairstyle. <laughs> and at under-23 level, firstly, the, the, the players to look out for if people are going to watch the under-23s. I, I've been quite impressed with DJ Buffon, who I think he came in from Fulham last year. He's mm. impressive to me. And, and any players who you think could move up if we, well, I, I say could, if we, when we eventually get hit our traditional injury crisis halfway through the season. <laughs> <laughs> um, into the first team, you mean? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> then again, um, Marcus Rashford's uh, rise into the first team wasn't entirely expected, so it's hard to predict. No. When you consider that sort of earlier on in the under-21 season last year, he was sort of sitting on the bench and wasn't really getting a shout. 
it's quite amazing to think that he went from that to representing his country at the Euros at the end of the year. It, it's it's a meteoric rise. Um, and, and well-deserved because his performances certainly warranted it. Um, but very unanticipated, I would say. In terms of under-23s, Axel Tunzebi, obviously we've seen him in the first team quite recently and Jose Mourinho has spoken very highly of him. He had a bit of issues with injuries and from his point of view over the next couple of months, if he just hammers down the place in the under-23s, which he's more than capable of doing, he could potentially be someone, if we end up in a defensive injury crisis midway through the season, that he could be called upon. Very composed defender. Um, he reads the game very well. He can make those sort of last-ditch tackles if you need him to, um, normally when he's covering someone else's position. He would certainly be someone to look out for there and the likes of Charlie Scott has moved up from the under 18s Charlie is sort of he can play both in midfield and in defence I personally prefer him in midfield he seems a bit more confident in that position than he does when he's in defence I, 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 I really like him as a footballer but he, he can be prone to an odd um, lapse of concentration in the defence which is less problematic when he's um, in midfield it'll be interesting to see what happens in terms of his position uh, we're playing a lot of midfielders at under 23 level this year as well because of the lack of a striker re- a recognised striker really at that level so he could be he could be one to watch um, in terms of that. Also, they seem to have uh, said that Josh Doughty um, is moving up um, from the under-18s to the under-23s. He joined last... Oh, God, no. Was it last season? I think it was, but there was a massive issue with his international clearance. And... He's sort of more of a forward, so he could end up getting a, a fair bit of time at under 23 level, purely because of the lack of another sort of recognised forward. Matthew Alessande as well, um, he's someone that we picked up last season and he had a couple of uh, games for the under 18s where he mostly played sort of left back. So it's been interesting to see that I think in the last two under 23 games he's played um right wing he's actually done very well in the position but it's just um quite a bit of a change from where I was getting used to him last season he came in as a defender he seems to be doing okay on the right wing and we are known we are known to just change players positions slightly randomly as well um so that's the way it is. Um, it'll also be interesting to see Regan Poole in terms of a sustained run of matches. He switches sort of between playing in defence and playing in centre midfield, and I'm not sure whether we've sort of decided what is his better position and what position we want him to fill for us. He, he does look like a, a, a really promising talent. and I, I'm not sure if this is true, but there were rumours that Chris Coleman was looking at him ahead of the heroes do you know if that's true Clayton Blackmore was talking the other night uh, during the under 23s and he said he was talking to Chris Coleman and they said they had um, a fair bit of bother now I have no reason to do Clayton Clayton is is very genuine and very honest in anything that I've ever heard coming from him so it would appear that they had um, serious serious consideration um, to bringing him across I think the fact that he wasn't playing 
footballers regularly and maybe hadn't got a first team sort of birth really sort of um made them decide against bringing him when there were a lot of other players in the squad that were playing first team football but to think that a player what's he 17 years old just Oh, no, he's just 18. 18 years of age, and they're sort of considering him for European Championships without really sort of having broken through to a first team and having had that sort of break where his international clearance wasn't there for a few months because apparently the trip from Wales is very, very long. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think he needs to to nail down a position, whether that's chosen by the coaches or him? Do you think he needs to to have a choice ready? Because, uh, I mean, there's players who have... Um, have been disadvantaged because of their versatility and slightly more senior but Phil Jones has often his yeah. career has probably suffered because of his versatility do you think Regan Paul needs to, to choose or, or Warren Joyce needs to choose between central midfield and central defence I'd say you know, sort of. I think they need to give him a run in both positions and to make a call based on the sort of level of performances and the performances that they're getting from him because from what I've seen He's talented enough to, to look good in both positions. They'll just, you just have to watch and see. Um, they'll just have to watch and see and, and have conversations with him to see what way he views himself going forward. Because he's, as you said, it, versatility at times, particularly when you're good in a number of positions and, and where you can sort of more than do a job, where you can make that position your own when you're playing it. It, it it makes it quite awkward because when you need someone to fill in that role, be it either through injuries or, or just a light squad, you're tempted to move that person a bit quicker because you may have someone else who can fill um who can fill in the other position where you may have a few more players and a bit more depth in the squad. Um it may be more natural for them to do so. So Oh, I think, yeah, a decision's gonna have to be made. They're gonna have to make a call as to where, he, where his position is. Just even for his own sake, so that he can continue to develop in it, because it, they're slightly different skill sets, um, that you need for both. So just to give him the best opportunity, I'd say a call has to be made at some point in the next couple of months. Now, obviously, it can change again, because that's the nature of how things happen. But um, yeah, I'd say for his own sake, rather than him sort of alternating every game, just have to make a decision. Um, and, and what's the situation with <laughs> James Weir at the moment? Because he's he's been captain for the under 21 slash under 23s for it's definitely a season now. I'm not sure if it's longer than that. Every mm-hmm. time he, he appears to shine at under 23 slash under 21 level. Mm-hmm. But he still hasn't got his chance in the first team, whereas players who a lot of people would say um, have done less at, at that level were given chances. Do you think his United career needs to to kick off this season if it's going to happen at all? Or can, can it be a few more years before he gets his first team chance? I imagine that over the next couple of weeks we may hear of a loan move um, for James Weir purely because it appears that a lot of players at that level were sort of, it was suggested that it would be good for them if they were going to be staying to find a club to go on loan to and get first-team football. Obviously, I, I would imagine from sort of Warren Joyce's position, he doesn't want to, you know, um, 
really decimate a squad at that level because without a couple of experienced heads around, it's difficult to integrate the, the newer lads who'd be stepping up um, to that level. I'm a big fan of James Weir. He is another one of those versatile players that they sort of throw in wherever someone may be needed. And I've sort of seen him play from right back up to centre forward, depending on what's required. Uh, I don't like to say it, but I can imagine a scenario where I, I imagine he'll go in loan this season. But uh, as to whether or not he'll make that step up into the first team, I'm 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 slightly on the fence. Jack, anything final before before we leave this? Just a quick thing, just to go back to um to what we were talking about, Marcus Rashford. Just earlier, mm. I know he's not really um in the academy picture anymore, but. If he does find his game time limited at all, I know it's one of the big worries with Mourinho coming in. Do, do you think he could possibly play a few games for the under-23s or do you see him firmly as a, a fixture in the first team now? There's always a danger in terms of dropping players back to the under-23s or dropping them back to reserve football. It depends as to what the sort of perspective of that is from the first-team coaches, really. Um, if they use the reserves as a way to give players who aren't necessarily playing week in, week out a few minutes so that they're always ready, that puts a different sort of um, gloss on what can be seen as dropping back down to that level. Sometimes you tend to see that certain players will drop back down and on past experience it tends to be players who would have come up from that level into the first team. So, for example, you'd be more likely to see Marcus Rashford drop down for minutes than you would Anthony Martial, I would I would hazard a guess. And when that sort of thing would happen, now obviously he has been starting matches, so I'm not talking, I'm just saying if he were to sort of not be starting matches for a certain period, he wouldn't be dropping down as quickly. The likes of Memphis wouldn't be dropping down as quickly. Whereas the likes of, um, we saw with Adnan Yanazai and Andreas Pereira, when they weren't getting matches, they were dropped back down. So it depends as to whether or not it's, it's an overall thing as to whether or not it will be viewed as a positive thing or, or whether it'll work positively or negatively, um, because obviously certain players, when they drop back down, there's a very good attitude. But it's very hard to sort of tell a player that they sort of have played their way at a particular level, proved themselves at that level, progressed to the next level, and then sort of have to drop back down and prove themselves sort of again before they'll get their next shot. Um, and it can be a difficult one to square no matter how good the basis of attitude can be for the player. And I'm not saying anything against Marcus, um, but it's just what I personally feel that dropping players down and getting the minutes, obviously without there being a detriment to the development of other youth players, um, and sort of having a mixed and integrated squad so that everyone is getting minutes and developing. If it's only one or two, and if it's only sort of academy players who are dropping back down, the likes of himself and Timothy Fossumensa, if they were the only two to drop down to get minutes, it puts a different gloss on how they may be viewed. Well, if, if that's all, that's all we have time for. I wish we could go on with Tracy, who, as for the last time, has been a fantastic guest. Thanks for coming on. Where can we find you on Twitter? No and anything else you want to give a plug to? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Girl on United, so that's G-I-R-L-O-N-U-T-D, not U-N-I-T-E-D. And I occasionally do match reports for thepeoplesperson.com. That's sort of where you find me online. Right, um, Jack, where can we find you on Twitter? At U-T-D-Tate, T-A-I-T. 
and you can find me on Twitter at Harry Robinson 64 and the podcast itself at UTD Weekly Pod. Remember to follow Tracy at Girl on United. That's UTD at the end. It's, it's been a very interesting episode. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you after Southampton game, our first Friday night fixture in the Premier League. And if you want to follow the under 23s and under 18, remember to give Tracy a follow. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Network.